0: Hey listeners, welcome to law Grade India's first podcast for all law entrance examinations. In this episode, we are going to discuss in detail about the essential elements required for a contract. In the previous episode, I just listed out the essential elements, but this would be a complete uh, explanation of all the essential elements. So let's begin. So, as I told you, the there are, you know, around uh, uh, nine essential elements required for a contract. As we stated, it is two parties. We need two parties to make a contract and cons- uh, consents at idem, that is identity of minds is required, capacity to contract is required, free consent should be there, lock lawful consideration also must be there and there should be a legal relationship between the parties and it should be about the contract should be about a lawful object and the terms must be certain and clear and also there should be a possibility of the contract to perform now let's look out about or let's understand about the first essential element that is two parties the two parties in a contract are called as offerer and acceptor The word offerer is being defined under Section 2A of Indian Contract Act 1872 and the term "acceptor" is defined under Section 2 Clause B of Indian Contract Act 1872. To constitute any contract, there must be, definitely, I said there must be an offerer, offer and acceptance. The person who ever offers or makes offer is called as offerer, and the other party or the person who accepts the offer is called as acceptor. Therefore, in every contract, there must be at least two parties, namely the offeror and the acceptor. The offeror and the, ac- the offer and the acceptance, you know, must be must be communicated properly to each other. So, when you don't have an offeror and acceptor, there is no point of a contract you should have you must have both the parties with one party it wouldn't never constitute an any agreement or it would never turn into a contract now the second important essential element of a contract is consensus ed idem that is identity of minds now what do you mean by this a contract if if you want a contract to be valid you know there should be Uh, identity of minds or there must exist consensus at edim what do you mean by this it means the identity of the minds between the parties to contract means I should say that both the parties you know both the offerer and the contract and the acceptor must have agreed about the same subject in the same sense and the same time example I'll give you an example A there is a there is a party called as A A has two houses namely X and Y A offers to sell X to B but B accepts the offer thinking that it is about Y because A is having two houses here there is no identity of minds because A want to sell X but B accepted thinking it is about Y so, the identity of minds is not similar. There is no identity of minds and hence the contract cannot be enforceable. So, let's assume I want to sell my car. I have two cars. Okay, let's understand I have a car. I have a Corolla. I have a, uh, you know, a Swift. I have two cars. Let's assume Corolla and Swift. To, I told to my friend that I want to sell my car. My friend told me, okay, I will purchase the car. Now see, I didn't say which car it is in specific. Even my friend who is the acceptor also didn't ask in specific which car it is about. I was thinking, I told uh, that I would like to sell the car keeping in mind about Swift. My friend thought and he assumed that I want to sell Corolla. He accepted the offer. Now, see, it is about actually Swift car. I gave offer about Swift car, but my friend accepted thinking it as a Corolla car because I have two cars. So there is no identity of mind because uh, the object which we are uh, which we are about to sign up a contract is not same. So for having a valid contract, definitely the object or the subject or the product which you are buying or selling, it should be the same both for the seller and as well as the buyer. This scenario is called as consensus ad idem. So for a valid contract, definitely there must be a consensus ad idem. Next, the other essential element is a capacity of contract very, very, very important, which is mentioned under section 11 of Indian contract act 1872. What do you mean by this? The parties to the contract must be competent to enter into the contract. Yes, the offeror and the acceptor both should have that uh, competency to sign a contract. Now, what do you mean by personal competency to sign a contract? This uh, definition of competency or the capacity is mentioned or defined under section 11 of Indian contract. First and foremost thing, to make a person competent to sign a contract the person must be a major he or she should be a ma- is a major means they should not be a minors if they are a minors the contract will not be valid now he or she should have is of sound mind means they should be in a proper mind not an unsound mind okay and he or she is not disqualified by law in force to contract what do you mean by this? Means he or she should not be declared by the court that they are inefficient to sign a contract. Example, like I say, how can, how can you find, uh, how can you, a court say a person is not eligible to sign a contract? Let me give you an example here. There is a, a condition called as insolvency. Again, I repeat, there is a condition called as insolvency. A person who has done so many credits, who borrowed so much of money and who is not in a position to repay them back, they usually sign for insolvency petition which is called as IP. Okay. Whoever files an insolvency petition and is being approved by the court that he is insolvent in paying the money, which he has borrowed from various creditors, such kind of an insolvency person is not eligible to sign further any contracts. So this is what is, he is not disqualified by law in force to contract means, an example is a person who filed an insolvency petition who is being declared by the court as an insolvent is no longer eligible to sign a contract. Right? I hope it is clear. So the capacity to contract is compulsory. He or she should be a major, must be a major. He or she should uh, should be of sound mind, not unsound mind, should be of sound mind. If they are unsound mind, it means they are not, if they sign also, it is not a valid contract. If he or she is a minor, if they sign a contract also, it is not valid. And the third thing is he or she should not be disqualified by the law enforced to contract. According to Section 3 of Indian Majority Act 1875, a minor is a person who has not completed the age of 14 years. The age of minority extends to 21 years. If a guardian of minor's person or property is appointed under the guardians and wards act 1890, usually the minority ends up with 18 years, but this minority can be extended to 21 years in cases of, you know, the minority's property, you know, is being guarded. Right. And here I want to mention one more point over here. Though minority though, Uh, people below 18 years are considered as minors there is an exemption in criminal law because of Nirbhaya incident there was an amendment in the criminal law where the age was reduced from the age of minority in criminal cases was uh, reduced from 18 years to 16 years means in case of criminal law People who are above 16 are considered as majors, people below 16 are considered as minors. But as per Indian Majority Act 1875, minor is a person who is below 18 years. So there is a different difference, please make a note. That kind of a change in criminal law has come because of Nirbhaya incident where one of the Culprit actually escaped uh, because he was a minor. Though he he was the person who brutally uh, you know killed, or I should say, who brutally tortured uh, Nirbhaya uh, in that incident, he escaped because he was only 17 years, some seven months or eight months, 17 years, seven months at the time of you know incident, because. Of that reason, because of his age, he has to walk out free with two years imprisonment and so they couldn't punish him. This actually made the government to come up with an amendment and that's how they have based on Sanjay Verma's committee. uh, The criminal law has been amended and, you know, the age uh, is being reduced from 18 to 16. So, 16 below, they are called as juveniles. 16 above, they would be tried as a majors only. The trail in the court will happen as majors only. So, don't get confused. It's a different aspects you have. And moving on. In England, you know, a person below the age of 21 years was a minor till 1969. We need to know about this. Now, the question is why about England? Please understand, we were ruled by the Britishers for all these years. So the laws, most of the laws including the constitution, we have taken it from the British rule. We were, you know, much habituated to British administration. So we used this British law for various times. So we need to compare Indian law and the British law. So this is a standard point going forward. You will come across our comparisons with uh, England law. So in England, a person below the age of 21 years was a minor till 1969. With the passing of the Family Reforms Act 1969, the age limit was reduced from 21 to 18. Now, in England also, a person below the age of 18 years is a minor. So a contract entered into contract entered into with a minor is void. Ab in to, that is invalid at the very beginning as laid down in a leading case of Mohar BB versus Dharmadas Ghosh case 1903. So, in this uh, Mohar BB versus Dharmadas Ghosh case 1903, it is been uh, declared by the contract by the court that a contract entered into with a minor is void ab in to, Okay. And uh, uh, that is what at, I mean, that is invalid at the very beginning, which we will discuss about this case, especially what is this Mahar B, you know, versus Dharmadash Ghosh 1903 case, which we have to discuss in detail for your better understanding. Now, the next uh, essential element of a contract is free consent, which is mentioned or defined under section 14. According to Section 13 of the Indian Contract Act, two or more parties are set to consent when they agree upon the same thing in the same sense and at the same time. Now, consent is said to be free when it is not caused by flaws in consent. That is, there shouldn't be any force to sign the contract. There shouldn't be any fraud or misrepresentation of mistake or undue influence. If there are no no features like this as we mentioned, then we call it as free consent. So section 13 uh, uh, says uh, the need of free consent uh, in a contract. And Section 14 of Indian Contract Act 1872 defines free consent as a consent is said to be free when it is not caused by coercion, which is defined under Section 15, not caused by undue influence, as defined in Section 16, not caused by fraud, as defined in Section 17, not caused because of misrepresentation, as defined in Section 18, not caused by mistake subject to the provisions of section 20 21 and 22 so to to declare a contract signed by free consent the conditions is there should no, there should not be any coercion no undue influence no fraud no misrepresentation no mistake to the provinces now What do you mean by this question and all we will discuss in detail. Now, this is only to understand you the essential element. Now, the next essential element of a contract is lawful consideration, which is defined under section 2 clause D. Now, what do you mean by this lawful consideration? When you are offering something, you expect something back in return. Now, I want to buy, I want to sell my car. I told you, right? I gave you an illustration that I want to sell my car. So, my friend, whoever is interested to purchase, they will accept my offer and they have to give me the amount I asked or what we have concluded. Let's assume that I want to sell my Corolla car for 10 lakhs. This is the offer. My friend want to purchase Corolla car not for 10 lakhs but 8 lakhs which I also agreed that and I told him that I am ready to sell my car for 8 lakhs. Now the object here is a car and the lawful concentration here is 8 lakhs. So in a simple words lawful concentration means the amount to which the both both the parties agreed as part of the contract is nothing but the lawful consideration so this is one of the most essential elements because without a lawful consideration there is no contract because this lawful consideration determines the price of the contract and it refers to both the parties so a contract to be valid and enforceable there must be a lawful consideration. Example. A sells his house to B for 10 lakhs. A's lawful consideration is rupees 10 lakhs. B's lawful consideration in the house is also similar. Therefore, a contract without a consideration is void. In other words, I should say that a contract without consideration is not valid and enforceable not possible to enforce therefore in a Latin maximum it is said that ex nodo pacto non arter actio which means out of a nude fact no cause of action arises means a contract without consideration is void so for every contract There must be a consideration. However, please make a note. This is important that there are some exceptions to this general rule that every contract must have a consideration, lawful consideration. What are those exceptions? Is section 25. Again, I repeat section 25 of Indian contract act 1872 discusses about the exceptions given to the general rule that without lawful consideration a contract is not void. What are those exceptions? First one is a contract which is signed out of love and affection then there is no need of lawful consideration as mentioned under section 25 clause 1. A contract which is signed Uh, as a compensation for voluntary services also doesn't require lawful consideration as mentioned under section 25 clause 2 and a contract which is signed to clear a time bar debt which is mentioned under section as mentioned under section 25 clause 3 also doesn't need lawful consideration. So in general, for any contract, lawful consideration is mandatory, but there are some exceptions if uh, that uh, contract is signed out of uh, love and affection. If that uh, contract is signed as a compensation for voluntary services, if that contract is signed to end the time-barred debts or to clear the time-barred debts, then you don't need lawful consideration. As of now in England, present or, uh, you know, future consideration is valid and past consideration is not valid. In the sense, in England, past consideration is not a consideration. I hope you understood. So this is what is about the essential Elements. I discussed five essential elements in this episode. In the next episode, I will discuss about the four other essential elements required for a contract. Then you can, you know, listen to it at a time and it would be easy for you. So keep listening to Law Grade India's first podcast for all the law entrances and law subjects. Keep sharing for those all in needy kindly favorite this podcast which motivates me to do more more and more and uh, thank you so much signing off jaihan